The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Gary Bell. Um... Today we're going to be talking about addiction and abuse, and it is so important to talk about this because over 18% of the population of the world is affected by either abuse or uh, addiction. And it's amazing to me how many families suffer from this, especially the members of families who have to put up with the person who is addicted or abusing let's say, alcohol, drugs, or whatever. And, and addiction and abuse comes in all kinds of different um, ways. You know, people with an addiction do not have control over what they're doing, taking, or using. Their addiction may reach a point in which it is very, very harmful. This, addictions do not only include physical things that we consume like drugs, alcohol, but they also include virtually anything such as abstract things like gambling, and uh, seemingly harmless uh, products such as chocolate. You know, in other words, addiction may refer to substance dependence. Uh, caffeine, for instance, is a very strong addiction for many people. And yes, that Starbucks is a legal uh, drug dealer, basically. <laughs> but I can tell you, uh, you know, there's either f- uh, physical addiction, which is the physical yearning for that product, or that uh, substance. And then there's also the psychological addiction, and that is at a certain time, at a certain place, this is where I allow myself to abuse or to drink. And basically what happens is in those scenarios that are set up, maybe it's a time of day, maybe it's a certain location, maybe it's with certain people around, whatever it is, that uh, person allows himself to get high or drunk uh, based on whatever their addiction is, and they consume and overconsume and end up in a, a stupor uh, based on, and, and, or maybe with a sore stomach if it's chocolate. But basically what happens in the psychological situation, you can overcome it a lot easier when you change the triggers. But with addiction itself, it's both genetic, and, which means it's biological, and it's environmental. You know, addiction, once again... It is not limited to biochemical substances such as mm-hmm. cocaine, alcohol, inhalants, or nicotine. It's increasingly possible for people to experience so-called behavioral addictions, activities, once again, like gambling, eating, pornography, uh, playing video games, are particular, to predict, uh, particularly conductive to addiction because they provide the opportunity for an immediate reward, which is what addiction and, and uh, abuse is all about. The fast feedback that occurs, let's say, in a gambling setting, 
or in a, a video setting can quickly turn into a pastime and then into a compulsive pursuit of reward where one can't voluntarily disengage from the activity and harmful consequences occur from uh, losing large amounts of money uh, or disruption of relationships such as family members, such as uh, people being with friends. I mean, many people sacrifice in a person's life that are addicted or abused. Similarly, the, the, the frequent uh, cell phone texting that many people do in which they send and receive hundreds of messages a day, contains the conditions for addiction also. And and so many people contend that it is especially problematic because it can interfere with one's uh, major tasks that they have to do during a day and also the development or developing of uh, effective mechanisms that stop and and limit us in impulse control. You know... uh, when a person is addicted to something, they cannot control how they use it and become dependent on it to cope with daily life. You know, a habit may eventually develop into addiction. So many of us can use substances or become engaged in activities without any significant problems. However, some people may experience damaging psychological and physical effects when their habit becomes an addiction. Uh, Let's look at gambling. I mean, I've had clients who've lost their home where their children had to move in with relatives and they had to live out of their cars. I mean, it's sad, but some people just go hog wild on these addictions and, uh, and abuses. Also, addictions and habits, if you look at that, an addiction... There's a psychological and a physical component. The person is unable to control the aspects of the addiction without help because the mental or physical conditions that are involved. Now, a habit is done by choice. The people with the habit can choose to stop and will subsequently stop successfully if they want to. The, the, The psychological and the physical component is not an issue as it is with addiction or abuse. And the causes of addiction uh, vary considerably, and they're not only uh, often fully understood. They are generally caused by a combination of physical, mental, circumstantial, and emotional factors. Uh, Addiction often is referred to as dependency, and it leads to tolerance because once people start intaking over and over and over, their system, their bodies become used to it, and then they require more. And the, the, the addicted person needs larger and more regular amounts of whatever that they are addicted to in order to receive the reward that they're seeking. For instance, with alcohol or drugs, it's, it's to basically lose time. Um, often the initial reward is l- no longer felt. And the addiction continues because withdrawal happens after it if you don't continue to take. And boy, I can tell you, many people experience withdrawal. And one, people wonder why these big uh, 30-day programs where you go away from your family or go away from people is so important. That's because the withdrawal effect uh, is so strong that during that first 30 days, uh, the, the brain basically is yearning for that substance. And basically during that 30 days... It takes that long for many of these drugs to leave the system. Just looking at marijuana, marijuana in itself attaches to uh, fat cells in your brain, and your brain contains about 33% of uh, your blood supply, and also the, the fat in your brain. The, the brain is the fattest organ in the body. So the brain just holds that uh, marijuana in the system for, for at least 30 days, depending on how strong 
the marijuana is. You know, addiction is habitual, psychological, and physiologic dependence on a substance, and it's beyond voluntary control. Withdrawal has many meanings, one of which is a psychological and a physical syndrome that is caused by the abrupt cessation of the use of the drug or substance. Now, now let's look at substance dependence and when we're trying to define things. This is when an individual persists in the use of alcohol or drugs despite problems related to the use of the substance, and the substance dependence may be diagnosed, and, and compulsive and repetitive use may be a result in tolerance of the uh, effect of the drug and withdrawal symptoms when use is reduced or stopped. And so, you know, it's amazing to look at how diverse this world of substance abuse and addiction is. So here's some signs of addiction. Uh, first of all, uh, a substance dependence is when a person is addicted to a substance such as drug, alcohol, nicotine. They're not able to control their use, and they continue to take it. Substance dependence can cause very powerful cravings, and the addict may want to give up, but finds it extremely difficult to do so without help. And the signs and symptoms of substance dependence vary according to each person. So the substance they're addicted to, their, their family history, their genetics, it oftentimes falls into that. And also their personal circumstances may fall into their desire to quit. And personal circumstances means how far do you want to destroy your life? You know, there's also uh, uh, signs and symptoms of substance addiction, which is uh, withdrawal symptoms. Addiction continues despite a health problem or awareness. I mean, many people will lose large amounts of weight or gain large amounts of weight, which destroys their organs, or the substance like meth or heroin just literally destroys the body's organs, including skin. Also, another uh, sign of addiction is maintaining a good supply. They're always having to have a higher supply in their home or in their presence so they have it readily available. Also, another sign is social and recreational sacrifices. Some activities are given up because of an addiction to something. For example, an alcoholic may turn down an invitation to go camping or go, some, go, so, go somewhere like a school function for their children. And basically, they have to avoid any circumstance where their alcohol will actually be witnessed. You know, a smoker may not meet up with friends or family or their spouse. They have to hide for a certain amount of time until the smoky smell goes away. Also, other signs is taking risks. You know, they, they oftentimes will take risks such as stealing or trading sex for money, drugs. Uh, they basically also... Um, they're under the influence of some substances. The addict may engage in risky activities such as driving fast or, you know, out, trying to outrun the police. You know, we have that out here in L.A. all the time. Uh, you know, dealing with problems. You know, an addict, a person that is an addict commonly feels they need their drug or substance to deal with their problems. Also, they have obsessions. You know, an, an addicted person may spend more and more time and energy focusing on ways of getting a hold of their substance and in some ways how to use it. So they become even more creative in how to use it. Also, denial is huge. Uh, and basically, they, they use denial and deflect. They start pointing at other people and they deny that they have a problem. And so most people that are addicted to a substance refuse to acknowledge that they have a problem, and this is why they don't get better. 
So also, uh, excessive consumption, obviously. Uh, dropping hobbies and activities that they used to enjoy, they oftentimes do that so they can surround themselves with whatever they're addicted to. And, and also, uh, taking an initial large dose. This is very common uh, with alcoholism. The, the individual may gulp drinks down in order to get drunk and then feel good. And also, uh, having problems with the law. This is very common with people that have signs of addiction, financial difficulties, and relationship problems. You know, risk, you got to look at this and break this down. And I'm, I'm outlining this big picture of addiction and abuse. And then we're going to go into all the other types of abuses that people have. But the risks of addiction. You know, first of all, it comes from genetics. If you look back into your genetics, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Many times people have cigarette uh, smoking addictions, alcohol addictions, certain uh, drug because they've been surrounded by it and also and they biologically have it in their system. You know, if you look at alcohol, for instance, many people are addicted to alcohol because for thousands and thousands of years, the only uh, pure uh, water that they can drink that's purified was alcohol. Alcohol kills the bacteria that could oftentimes injure people and hurt them. And so families and, and, and parts of the world develop a form of water through alcohol that is safe for them to drink. And that's why there used to be bars on every corner because basically people consumed alcohol as their water. It wasn't until the 20s when purified water entered the public uh, water systems of many cities. And so what unfortunately has taken place is the humans, as we've evolved, have formed addictions uh, of certain types of alcohol that has been in our family systems for years. And it's a uh, dietary type of addiction that some people have, especially when it comes to alcohol. You know, gender is also a risk. Significantly a higher percentage of people addicted to substances are male. And so males are twice as likely than females to have problems with drugs or alcohol. Also having a mental illness or a condition. You know, people with depression, ADHD, several other uh, conditions such as anxiety have a much higher risk of eventually becoming addicted to drugs, alcohol, or nicotine because they don't want to be treated by a prescription drug. They feel like that's going to be addictive. Unfortunately, that's the sad truth for many people who self-destruct with those particular diagnoses. Also, there's peer pressure. You know, Trying to conform with other members of a group or gain acceptance can encourage people to take uh, use of potentially uh, addictive substances and eventually become addicted to them. Peer pressure is especially strong factor for people that are in their teens. Yes. Also, family behavior. You know, young people uh, form a strong attachment to their siblings or parents if if they have been exposed to these kind of things over a long period of time. They begin to trivialize them and figure that that's something that they're going to do when they get older. Also, loneliness. Being alone. Time is your worst enemy. And, and so you have to think about if you have too much time on your hands, there's a good chance you're going to form a habit or an addiction or have some kind of substance abuse problem. Also, the nature of the substances, you have to look at that as risks of addiction, such as crack, heroin, cocaine. They can bring about addiction a whole lot more rapidly because they turn you into Superman. I mean, who doesn't want to be Superman? That's what basically a lot of the things like meth does uh, and cocaine. They turn somebody into you can't hurt me. 
and uh, basically uh, they emotionally detach and they become uh, in their own little world and they could care less what anybody thinks about them and all of a sudden their actions can become very antisocial. You know, the age when a substance is first consumed, you know, studies of alcoholism have shown that people who start consuming uh, a substance earlier in life have a higher risk of eventually becoming addicted than those who started later. Many experts say that this also applies to nicotine and drugs. Stress. Stress is another high-risk trigger. And, and also we have to look at how the body metabolizes, which means processes, the substance. In case of alcoholic, for example, individuals who need a higher dose to achieve an effect have a higher risk of eventually becoming addicted. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to cause, uh, look at the causes and treatment, and then we're going to start breaking down from alcohol uh, through all kinds of other addictions. Thanks for listening. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, now we're talking about risks. And this is the risk that a person takes that is addicted. And we are talking about substance abuse, addiction. First of all, health. Health, uh, addiction to a substance, 
being in a drug, a narcotic, a nicotine, alcohol, usually has health consequences. In the case of uh, drug and alcohol addiction, there may, may be mental and emotional as well as physical health problems. And in the case of nicotine addiction, the problems tend to be just with the physical health, you know, like a coma. Some drugs taken in high doses together with other substances may be extremely dangerous. They may cause unconsciousness or death where a person falls, hits their head, and God forbid they die. But these kind of things happen all the time. Also, people that inject drugs have a very high risk of developing HIV or AIDS or hepatitis if they share needles. Some substances, including specific drugs or alcohol, can lead towards more risky sexual behaviors, such as unprotected sex, increasing the probability of developing sexually transmitted diseases. Also, the immunity system goes down, goes way down with people who take drugs and alcohol, and basically they're much more susceptible to getting sick. Accidental injuries and death, you know, obviously. Suicide. You know, the risk of suicide is significantly higher for a person who's addicted to drug or alcohol compared with non-addicted individuals because basically their whole life starts to fall around them and they no longer know who they are. They become the substance. They also have huge relationship problems, uh, social, family, marital relationships, because the first love is the drug or the substance. Uh, child neglect, abuse, many of these folks lose their children. If they don't lose them emotionally, they actually lose them to uh, child protective services and the courts or to a marital partner that is sick of them and divorces them. Uh, unemployment, poverty, and homelessness are also the other factors and also obviously problems with the law. So I'm outlining a whole lot of reasons and risks that people have when they take substances. And this is only to create awareness so that we can break down these other issues down into the specific substances that people have problems with. Alcohol. Alcohol abuse, I can tell you, is huge. Uh, a large over. 50% of the people that are addicted to substances are addicted to alcohol. And alcohol, I can tell you, is, is unbelievable. My, uh, personally, I can tell you, my, I grew up with my stepfather was an alcoholic. He was, a, he was an absolutely brilliant man. He was a, uh, a pathologist and a nuclear surgeon. But after work, and sometimes I think it creeped into his job because eventually I think he was put on uh, probation by a hospital because he eventually was probably caught uh, drinking. But once he was with my mother, which is wonderful, he did sober up and over 25 years and, and, uh, and overcame the addiction. And so alcohol abuse. Alcohol abuse is unbelievable. You know, I remember my stepfather driving – uh, down the street, we could hear him coming because back then they had aluminum trash cans, and you could hear him with his Buick Riviera hitting trash cans down the street as he was coming home. And that was really scary to know how he was coming home because everybody knew he was going to be drunk. So alcohol abuse is defined as a pattern of drinking that results in one or more of the following situations within the 12-month period. Number one, a failure to fulfill major work, school, or home responsibilities. Number two, drinking in situations that are physically dangerous, such as while driving a car, operating machinery, having reoccurring alcohol-related legal problems, such as being arrested, driving under the influence, physically hurting someone, continued drinking despite having ongoing relationship problems that are caused or worsened by the drinking, and alcoholism or dependence. 
it is the most severe form of alcohol abuse. It is a chronic disease characterized by the consumption of alcohol at a level that interferes with physical or mental health, with family and social responsibilities. And this alcoholic will drink despite the serious consequences. And alcoholism is influenced by both genetic and environmental. Alcoholism is chronic It lasts a a person's entire life. It usually follows a predictable course and has recognizable symptoms. Alcohol abuse and alcoholism cut across gender, race, and ethnicity. Nearly 14 million people in the United States are dependent on alcohol. That is just the United States, folks. This broadcast goes all over the world. And most of them are 18 to 29 years old. The, 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 uh, the lowest among adults is ages 65 and older, and that's probably because they've wrecked their bodies so badly they can no longer function or maybe they lost their minds and their poor families are stuck with them. You know, it, it, slower reaction times, problems with hearing, seeing, lower tolerance uh, of alcohol's effects put older people at higher risk of falls, car crashes, other types of injuries. Also, alcohol affects women differently than men. Women become more impaired than men do after drinking the same amount of alcohol, even with deficiencies in body weight are taken into account. In addition, chronic alcohol abuse takes a heavier physical toll on women than on men. And alcohol dependence and related medical conditions such as brain, heart, liver damage progress more rapidly in women. So we're talking about alcohol abuse. And so you have to look at how do you treat these people. Many people with alcohol problems don't recognize when their drinking gets out of hand. And in the past, treatment providers believe that alcoholics should be confronted about the denial of their drinking problems. But now, you know, research has basically shown that compassionate and empathetic counseling is more effective. You know, most alcoholics need help to recover from disease. In most cases, relapse rates are very high. However, with the support and treatment, many people are able to stop drinking and rebuild their lives. They just become, they have to become more aware of, from the outside in, how this substance, alcohol, has affected their lives. And doing that on a consistent basis is forcing them to take accountability for their problem. And many times having family members in the room, when you're doing very compassionate counseling with these folks, the awareness of the alcohol or the substance on their personal problems and on their family dynamics creates an awareness that they begin to see how this alcohol or substance has taken over their lives. You know, once the problem has been recognized, total abstinence from alcohol is required for those who are dependent. You can't come to counseling drunk. It's just not going to work. And for those who are problem drinkers, moderation may be successful. Since many alcoholics initially refuse to believe that their drinking is out of control, a a trial of moderation can often be a very effective way to deal with the problem. That means they moderate, they cut down, they cut down, and then eventually cut it out. You know, basically, because alcoholism affects the people closely related to the alcoholic, treatment for the family members through counseling is also needed because they are codependent on this person and prop this person up. And there also has to be a form of detoxification. And this is the first phase of treatment, and this is when withdrawal happens. And of course, when withdrawal happens, 
the cravings are huge because they can no longer tolerate being without the substance and their body is, is, is craving it. And that's the biological factor. You know, alcohol recovery or, or rehabilitation programs support the affected person after detoxification. So they cannot really take place until after detoxification. And some of those is, uh, groups obviously is AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, NA, Narcotics Anonymous is out there for folks that are uh, addicted to other substances. But basically, uh, there's other therapies and there's also places to go, whether it is an, an, an out uh, program or an in program where a person can actually, you know, put themselves inside a, a facility for several weeks or they can just go there for a few hours a day and basically meet with other people, meet with counselors that have the same issues that they have. Also, there's medications. Uh, there's no magic bullet, but uh, no single medication is available that, that works. But when we're talking about alcohol, um, there is uh, anti-abuse, anti there's Depaid, and there's Revia, and there's also Camprol. Those are currently approved by uh, by the United States as far as drug and alcohol, uh, as far as the people being able to use them. They are approved to be able to be used. So, uh, you know, alcohol treatment, virtually all alcohol programs, whether it's AA, whether it's uh, uh, some in, internal meeting or external uh, meeting, all of them work. But they all, they all work in combinations. And, and so just going down one forum like AA may not work for a person. There may need to be also counseling involved and they also have to have uh, you know, somebody that they look up to like a mentor in their program that can keep them accountable. You know, uh, Seeking help for an unwilling uh, alcoholic is very difficult. You know, they can't be forced to get help except for under certain circumstances, like if they break the law and they're court-ordered. Sometimes these people just have to hit rock bottom, which is very tragic. And, uh, you know, they have to be willing to stop up their cover-ups. That means that they have family members often have to make excuses to try to protect the alcoholic. And so it is important to stop that because that's called codependence. Also, the best time to talk to a drinker about their drinking is shortly after an alcohol-related problem has occurred, a serious family argument or accident. Choose a time when they're sober. Both you and they are fairly calm and you have a chance to talk in private. This is the best way to intervene with somebody like that. Also, you have to be specific. You have to tell the family member that you are worried about their drinking. Use examples of why. You know, state the results. Explain the drinker what you will do if they don't seek help. What you say may range from refusing to go to the person with any social activity or be served um, to uh, moving out of the house, served for divorce papers. Don't make threats that you're not prepared to carry out, however. You've got to follow through. If you're going to put a threat on the table, then basically you better follow through. Also, get help. Gather information. Get other people involved that the person listens to. This is the way you deal with a family member that's unwilling to face uh, them. Also, call a friend. 
a family member may refuse to help, but a friend may talk to them and somebody, but you want to make sure it's somebody that they're willing to listen to. Also, you want to find strength uh, in numbers, uh, healthcare professionals, uh, church, whatever groups that support your family, grabbing people from those resources is very helpful to stop an alcoholic. You know, it works for many people, treatment. But just like any chronic disease, there are varying levels of success when it comes to treatment. Some people stop drinking some people and remain sober. Others have long periods of sobriety and then bouts of relapse. And still others can't stop for any length of time. So with treatment, one thing is clear. The longer a person abstains from alcohol, the more likely they will stay sober. And basically, alcoholism... Any addiction, whether it's a substance or whatever, is also suicide. It's an attempt at suicide, and it's a lame attempt at suicide, and it's a long attempt at suicide, but eventually it is suicide because people that don't love themselves don't know how to say no to things that hurt them. All right, let's take a look very quickly at marijuana. You know, it's basically dried flowers, seeds, and leaves of an Indian hemp plant. So, uh, you know, on the street, it's called all kinds of things like dope, ganja grass, hemp, homegrown, Mary Jane, pot, reefer, whatever, weed. You know, it it is related. uh, Also, hashish is related uh, form of drug. It's made from the resins of the Indian hemp plant, also called uh, chocolate, hash, shit. It is on average six times stronger than marijuana. And also, cannabis describes any of the different drugs that come from Indian hemp, including marijuana and hashish. So how is it used? Marijuana is a mixture of these leaves or hemp plant, and it's usually green, brown, or gray in color. Uh, Hashish is tan, brown, or black resin, and it is dried and pressed into bars, sticks, or balls. And it's when it's smoked with with, uh, both marijuana and hashish give off very distinct, sweet, type of odor. Marijuana is the most common illegally used drug in the world, and many people say it's legal, but I'll tell you it will never be legal by the federal government because you can't test it. You know, OSHA is not going to go into these uh, labs where they sell uh, uh, prescribed marijuana and test it. There's no way to test all the marijuana in the world. The marijuana comes in all kinds of different flavors. It, it's grown in all kinds of different places with all kinds of different uh, strengths. And there's just no way to test it. So OSHA cannot test it. So states will say, yes, marijuana is legal. But the federal government, it is not likely to see them say marijuana is just fine. You know, when a person smokes a joint, they usually feel the effect within minutes. The immediate sensations cause an increased heart rate, less coordination, balance, and a dreamy, unreal state of mind. And and it peaks within about 30 minutes. These short-term effects usually wear off in two to three hours, but they could last longer depending on how much the user takes. The potency of THC, which is in marijuana, and the presence of other drugs is added oftentimes to the mix. Drug dealers, folks are going to lace marijuana with anything they can possibly lace it with because, once again, it attaches to fat cells and it stays in the body for a long period of time. That's how they get people addicted to much more expensive substances. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish up on marijuana and treatment. We're going to talk about painkillers. We're going to talk about methamphetamine, heroin, inhalants. Thanks for listening.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about marijuana. You know, uh, as a typical user inhales more smoke and holds it longer than they would a cigarette, a joint uh, of marijuana creates a very severe impact on a person's lungs, aside from the discomfort that goes on with sore throats, chest colds, It's also been found consuming one joint of marijuana gives as much exposure to cancer-producing chemicals as smoking five cigarettes. Marijuana contains 50 to 70% more cancer-causing substances than tobacco smoke. One major research study reported that a single cannabis joint could cause as much damage to the lungs as up to five regular cigarettes. Once again, long-time joint smokers often suffer from bronchitis, inflammation, and respiratory tract infections. The drug can affect more than your physical health. You know, studies in Australia linked years of heavy marijuana uh, use to brain abnormalities. And this is backed up by earlier research on long-term effects of marijuana, by the way. Um, So it it basically uh, can change the structure of the brain. And a number of studies have shown that a connection between continued marijuana use and psychosis. Marijuana changes the structure of sperm cells, deforming them. Thus, even small amounts of marijuana can cause temporary sterility in men. Marijuana use can upset a woman's menstrual cycle. 
And studies show that the mental functions of people who have smoked a lot of marijuana tend to be diminished. The THC in cannabis disrupts nerve cells that brain-affecting memory is affected. And, and basically, mental uh, problems happen with short-term and even long-term memory. Cannabis is one of the few drugs which causes abnormal cell division, which leads to severe hereditary defects. A pregnant woman who regularly smokes marijuana or hashish may give birth prematurely to an undersized, underweight baby. Over the last 10 years, many children of marijuana users have been born with reduced initiative and lessened abilities to concentrate, pursue life goals. Studies also suggest that prenatal, before birth, by the way, use of the drug may result in birth defects, uh, mental abnormalities, and increased uh, risk of leukemia. You know, guys, look, the bottom line is marijuana is not a great drug. It really stops people from functioning in life. And I will tell you, whenever you form an addiction, your development, your brain development is going to stop when the addiction starts. You're basically, let's say you start taking at 15 years old. By the time you're 30, you're still going to have a 15-year-old mentality and God knows how much your brain is deformed. You know, the deal is marijuana is a depressant. It slows you down. And people that form addictions to marijuana often lose their jobs because they're no longer productive. They are basically just sitting there in a stupor not doing a whole lot with their lives. And especially young people get lost in this drug. And they have a thousand reasons that they excuses of taking it. You know, uh, the potency of marijuana is also very, very important. Uh, stuff that's grown down in Mexico, parts of Mexico, South America can be so much stronger than what people consume here. You know, uh, smoking produces uh, an intoxication very quickly. And so what treatments do we have out here? that uh, basically can help somebody on marijuana. Number one is, is therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and that means thought-based therapy. Also, contingency management. This is a, a therapeutic management approach ba based on monitoring, and that can be very tangible because monitoring also helps the person be aware of how they're using and how much they're using. Also, uh, there's a motivational enhancement therapy, which is a, uh, a rewards-based therapy to motivate a person to change. These are uh, very effective uh, ways to treat somebody that has a marijuana addiction, but there are literally no medications can, that can get people off of marijuana. Now, what, let's talk about painkillers. You know, opioid painkillers produce short-lived euphoria, but they're also addictive. And I can tell you there are thousands of people, millions of people addicted to opiates because uh, they get a back injury or whatever. Because a lot of people do what's called blue-collar labor. They work with their hands. And as you get older, your back degenerates and you can no longer do the work you, you did. And there's no real strong signs that your back's going to give out on you, but it just does, and it does over time and age. And so a lot of people form these addictions later on in life because they take an opiate to, uh, to basically lessen the pain that they're in while they're in enduring a very long uh, healing process. And so long-term use of painkillers can lead to physical dependence, and a body adapts to the presence of a substance 
And if one stops taking the drug abruptly, withdrawal symptoms occur, especially with opiates. Opiates are very strong, and the body will form a tolerance to the drug, meaning higher doses have to be taken time and time and time again. Like all drugs, painkillers simply mask the pain for which they're taken. They don't cure anything. Someone continuously trying to dull the pain might find themselves taking higher and higher doses only to discover that they cannot make it through the day without the drug. And I cannot tell you how many people I see that have had opioid addiction and continue to have uh, people that I see currently that have these kind of addictions. Symptoms of withdrawal can include restlessness, uh, muscle and bone pain, insomnia, diarrhea, vomiting, cold flashes, goosebumps, uh, and uh, involuntary leg movements. One of the serious risks of opioid, opioid uh, use is respiratory depression. And this is where high doses cause the breathing to slow down to the point that it stops and the user dies. And the most common prescribed painkillers are oxycodone, Vicodin, Vicodin uh, methadone, Darvacet, Lortab, Lorset, Percocet. While offering relief from pain, these also cause individuals' bodies to start needing the drugs in order to feel normal. So here's some warning signs to watch out for. Usage increase, change in personality, social withdrawal, ongoing use, time spent on obtaining prescriptions, change in daily habits, alternating doctors or having multiple doctors do the same prescriptions at different locations. They also neglect responsibilities. They increase sensitivity. They have blackouts, forgetfulness, and they're very defensive. And, and, uh, you know, this isn't a moral or mental weakness. It is a chronic medical condition that results from changes to the brain that are caused by the substance. And so breaking free of this, it, it takes a lot of willpower. And there are medications that can help. Uh, uh, methadone is one of them. Uh, naltrexone, naloxone, uh, naloxone uh, these are some of the medications that are prescribed to use and, and to help people, uh, but also getting counseling and, and, and getting group counseling and also getting family counseling where the family lets a person know how they've changed because they're not aware how they changed. They're in that world and they have no idea how that their personalities have changed. And so now let's move on and I'm just trying to, to get as many in as possible of the big ones. You know, methamphetamine is an illegal drug in the same class as cocaine and other powerful street drugs. It has many uh, nicknames such as meth, crank, chalk, uh, speed, being the most common. Crystal meth is also used by individuals of all ages, but it is most commonly uh, called a club drug. And it's taken while partying at nightclubs or rave parties. It, it's its uh, name is ice or glass. That are some of the uh, common names that it's called. It's a very dangerous, uh, potent chemical. And as with all drugs, a, a poison first acts as a stimulant, then begins to systematically destroy the body. And, and especially by the time... It can affect memory loss, aggression, psychotic behavior, potential heart, brain damage. But I'll tell you this. Once it starts affecting meth, once it starts hitting the skin, once you start seeing pock marks and, and red marks and looks like they got herpes all over their body, these kind of people, they form these scabs on their body. And those scabs means that it has finally hit the most rugged organ of the body, which is your skin. That means they are close to death. And so when they start forming that, 
they're basically at a very toxic state of meth addiction and they're on their way out the door very quickly. Their liver is not able to process out all of the toxins in their body and they are just not functioning at a healthy place. That means death is on the doorstep. You know, the the, the production of one pound of methamphetamine produces five pounds of waste. People exposed to this waste material can become poisoned or sick. So this is very dangerous because these meth people cook the drugs in, uh, uh, oftentimes in communities. They oftentimes uh, uh, basically will cook it by using such things as battery acid, drain cleaner, uh, lantern fuel, antifreeze. And, and basically they cook the ingredients and this is what meth is all about. And unfortunately, that's why it is so cheap. These substances are cheap to make. And so, yes, the poor person is going to make it because they can afford it. And unfortunately, meth kills brain cells immediately. So when you look at the person that has used meth, their brain is pockmarked. There is unbelievable amount of damage that's caused to their body but also their brain, because their brain is the softest organ. You know, the rush, this is, this is the initial response the abuser feels. And then the high, they, they feel a high, and, and they feel that during the high, they feel aggressive, smarter, and they become argumentative, and they also start to interrupt people and finish their sentences. And they have delusional effects uh, that can also result and basically, everybody is insignificant to them at this point. Then there's the binge. And this is the uncontrolled use where they just continue the high over and over by smoking or injecting more methamphetamine. And then the tweaking. This is when the abuser is most dangerous and they're experiencing a phase of addiction. This t- tweaking is a condition uh, reached at the end of a drug binge when the methamphetamine no longer provides a rush or high. And so they're unable to relieve the horrible feelings of emptiness and craving, and they lose their sense of identity. And so intense itching is almost very common, and the user becomes more uh, uh, convinced that they have bugs that are crawling under their skin. They're unable to sleep for days, and they also become completely psychotic. And they exist in their own little world, and they see or hear things, and they become paranoid and often dangerous. Then there's a crash, which happens when the body shuts down. The body is unable to cope with the drug. It's overwhelmed it. And basically, they have a meth hangover after the crash. And so they turn into a very deteriorated state. They're starved. They're dehydrated. They're utterly exhausted physically, emotionally. And uh, that's what happens, guys. And then they have the withdrawal. And so that's why a lot of these folks have to go into treatment centers because the withdrawal takes forever, and it's painful, and it's horrific. And sometimes drugs have to be used, prescription drugs, to assist them. So let's look at, at another uh, thing, which is inhalants. And this is something that a lot of kids use because it's cheap. And this is basically vapors from toxic substance that are inhaled to get a quick high. And, and these comes from uh, basic household uh, common products, um, such as deodorizers, uh, l- uh, lacquer thinner, uh, paint solvents. Most of these uh, are similar to anesthetics, which slow down the body's functions. And after an, an initial high, loss of in, in, inhibition becomes drowsiness, lightheadedness, and agitation, which is what they're seeking. So uh, they call these uh, sometimes poppers, whippets. They're sold at concerts and dance clubs, and they're composed of uh, 
poisonous chemicals that can permanently damage the brain. So let's look at that. You know, slurred speech, uh, drunk, dizzy, dazed appearance, inability to coordinate, hallucinations, delusions, hostility, apathy, impaired judgment, unconsciousness, severe headaches, rashes around the nose or the mouth, uh, prolonged sniffing, death from in, uh, suffocation can occur by replacing oxygen with the chemical. And so that is the risk that these inhalants take. Also, muscle weakness, disorientation is long-term effect, lack of coordination, irritability, depression, suicidality. These folks have to get help, counseling. You know, looking, look at heroin. Heroin is highly addictive and illegal, and it's used by millions of addicts around the world that are unable to overcome the urge to take this drug. And once they do, they have to take it every day. And people that are addicted to heroin over a three- to six-month period oftentimes die, even if they get over it, in midlife because the damage that it has permanently done to their liver. And, and so in the reason that heroin uh, is taken in and by it, why it's so pervasive in our society is because in 1898, Bayer Pharmaceutical Company of Germany mark, uh, marketed it as a treatment for tuberculosis and a, a, a remedy for morphine addiction. And so basically what happened is during that time period, people got it into their system. And, and then they uh, came into also uh, morphine derivatives uh, which took place during 1930s in Germany. And so a lot of people got this in their system, and it's continued to be pervasive in our society since then. So, you know, I can't tell you in this episode all of the reasons that heroin is a horrible thing, but I will tell you it is one of the most consuming uh, drugs that any human being can take. So why not do drugs? Physical addiction, emotional addiction, the enormous expense the de degradation of your health, accidents, arrest for drug possession, arrest for other drug-related crimes, squandered potential of your personal soul, the de destroyed personal relationships in your life, and overdose. These are the reasons not to take drugs. Okay, that's our show. Our next show is Self-Sabotage, The Idiot Within You. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or at Twitter at drgbmft. Remember, don't do drugs. If you do do drugs, you'll go to prison, and drugs are really expensive there. Also, say no to drugs. Of course, if you talk to a drug, you're probably on them. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Once again, next week is Self-Sabotage, The Idiot Within. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 